and welcome to Myth Monsters. My name is Erin and I'll be your host for these little snack bite-sized podcasts on folklore and mythical monsters from around the world. These podcasts focus on the actual cryptids, folklore and mythic monsters from global mythology, rather than focusing on the full stories of heroes and their big adventures. I'll also be dropping in some references that they have to recent culture, and we can see these represented in modern day content so that you can learn more and get as obsessed as I am about these absolute legends of the mythological world. It's starting to get very cold here in the UK, and I love October. It's spooky season, it's my favourite time of the year, Halloween is around the corner, it's great. But if you are listening on the day this airs, you will be hearing this whilst I am off on a Scottish adventure, which is very apt for this week's monster, as well as adding more minus degrees to the weather than usual. Yes, so join me in Scotland this week for a monster that has been known as an omen of death. This week, we are looking at the horribly foreboding Ben Nia from Scottish and Celtic folklore. What a strange name, I hear you cry. Well, of course, we'll get into etymology later in more depth, but the Ben Nia is a Gaelic monster, which basically means Old Scottish, but the language is still spoken in some parts of Scotland, which is why it looks a bit alien to us English speakers. The Ben Nia is generally a spirit, sometimes even described as a water spirit or nymph, that lives along lone bodies of water in Scotland. These would usually be small rivers or rock pools, and she would be washing clothes, usually those with horrific bloodstains. In terms of her appearance, she would often be a very small woman, dressed in green with long, lank hair. However, when you get a bit closer, you would see that she only has one nostril on the end of a very large hooked nose, long, sagging breasts that are thrown over her shoulders so as to not get in the way of her chore, one jagged tooth, and red webbed feet. She's usually singing a sombre dirge or lament, but this could also be construed as wailing too, and she is very absorbed in both her washing and her singing responsibilities. She's not typically malevolent or benevolent, but very, very neutral. She has a job to do, and she's going to do it, all whilst wailing away. She is seen as an omen of death, as the clothes that she is washing will be those of who is going to die, and sometimes you can even see your own if you find her. She is also known as the messenger from the Otherworld, which was the Celtic version of the Underworld, passing on omens from that world into this one to bring souls into that domain. Sounds pretty bad, right? Unfortunately, if you got this close, you're probably not going to survive the encounter unless you're willing to do some pretty rough things. If she has seen you before you have seen her, you're in for a pretty horrible experience, as her gaze will make you lose the use of your limbs until she has finished her washing. Some tales even say that she will whip you with the wet clothes and take out your legs, and others that she'll break your arms and drag you into the river for you to drown. If you approach her without her seeing you, however, you can actually use this monster to your advantage, but not without a great moral cost. At least, in my opinion, it's a great cost. You would need to take one of the breasts that were lobbed over her shoulder 
and suckle on it. Then she'll turn around and you'll have to tell her that you are her foster child. She will then either grant you three wishes or tell you the answer to a fated question. Most people reportedly ask who the clothes belong to that she is washing, and if they are an enemy, they will leave her to finish, and that person will eventually die. If they are your own clothes or someone you love's clothes, you can interrupt the Benia from completing her washing to avoid this fate. There is another way of getting your wishes that probably isn't as bad, which is sneaking up behind her and grabbing her, which makes her answer three questions honestly, and she expects the same from you. If you do this, she will grant you your wish. It does seem that if you sneak up on her, you do get quite the advantage. Once this is done though, she will never be seen in that spot again. You couldn't go back and capitalise on those wishes. You would have to either find a new one, or find her again in a different spot in the Highlands. Now these spirits are manifested from women who have died during childbirth, and therefore are only ever female, and they are cursed to complete their daily tasks as a mother until the day that they were supposed to have died. Meaning the Benia can be around for 80 years or so if they died early. However, you could save this woman from this fate by making sure that all of their washing was done before they perished, otherwise she would have to finish these after death, forcing her to become this monster. There's no way to exercise or remove a Benia from an area either, so you are just kind of stuck with one unless you go and talk to her, but risk either breastfeeding from a ghost, or being paralysed and drowning in a puddle. Now, for etymology, we established earlier that this monster is Gaelic, but the term Benea in this lovely language means washerwoman. However, these type of spirits in Scottish Gaelic are called Bansith, as a kind of umbrella term, but in Irish Gaelic, they're called Bensheath, which translates into fairy woman, woman of peace, or woman of the sheet, or mound. And you may actually remember that I've used this word before for another monster that we'll get into later, as it does really importantly link these two monsters together. There is another term for the Benia though, and that's the Niheg, meaning little washer, which is sometimes used for these monsters too, but a little bit more in folklore and in stories. The French actually have their own version of this monster called Le Levandiers, which means night washerwoman, so that one's fun too, maybe we will cover them in their own episode one day, but we'll figure out if there's enough content another time. For the Ben Nia's history, there's actually very little to go on for this, I'm afraid. There's not any specific dates or times in medieval history that this monster really comes from. However, what I can tell you is that a similar monster from the same region came from about the 8th century, and this is, of course, the Banshee from Irish mythology. Usually I would get into this kind of segment later, but this monster is really the most popular and well-known that its history slightly bleeds into this one in terms of this type of monster. The Banshee is an Irish monster that is a female spirit who screams outside the house of a person who is doomed to perish. If you see a Banshee, it means that you are indeed that person, so you can certainly see the similarities between these two monsters. 
I have covered the Banshee in a previous episode if you want to hear more, but they are also part of the Benshee family and really have more research put into their background because of their popularity. We know that they came about in the 700s in exclusively Ireland and were based on keeling women who would cry and sing around a past loved one for a few days after their death in mourning. Banshees do go back as far as the 700s, but the first written account was in 1380 of a Benshead, so we do know that this type of monster goes back as far as the Middle Ages, and interestingly, across the pond, with pond I mean Irish Sea in Scotland at this time, it was a rife time for death and destruction, and a perfect habitat for something like a Banshee, and that is where our monster comes in. In 1300 exactly, the English started an invasion of Scotland under King Edward I, and these wars have been going on for the last four years already, leaving many Scottish and English dead for miles around the borders. And yes, if you are familiar with William Wallace and Braveheart, then this is also when this took place and when he existed, because they may take our lives, but they will never take our freedom! Yada yada yada. But alongside a lot of soldiers dead, those at home were not much safer during these times, with the average life expectancy at a max of 45, and medicine not being very well developed, appearances of the beignet were all too common. Not to mention that in 1346, the Black Plague struck all of Europe, leaving at least 200 million dead across the continent, and killing off 30-50% to of the entire population, meaning that burying your expectant wife, sister, mother or daughter was not uncommon. I will say as well that Scotland really was having a rough time during this part of history. Damn us English, we truly were a nightmare back then. But where I lack in exact dates about our monster, and of course I can throw out all of this medieval history, I can actually make up with some really great stories about the Benmier. This story is called The Mermaid of Loch Sin and is from the Scottish Highlands. It starts with a woman from Cromarty, which is on the Black Isle of Scotland to the east, was walking along Loch Slin one Sunday morning, and she saw a washerwoman smacking clothes with a bludgeon. Laid out next to the woman were around 30 shirts, all smeared with blood. Later that day, the local abbey roof collapsed during service, killing everyone inside, totalling 36 people. Interestingly though, this collapse wasn't documented in history anywhere, we can't find any records of this happening, but the same abbey roof did collapse in 1742, which killed nearly 50 people, and some say this was the omen coming true. I do have another story about Gilekesfilic, which is Gaelic, meaning wet foot man, and I will not be saying it again, because it's really hard to pronounce, and I'm sure I've already butchered it. So please, realise that when I refer to he, I'm referring to him. So he was going home to the island of Bembecula in the Scottish Isles, which is actually one of the islands to the west, and he spotted a washerwoman next to a lock singing. The man snuck up on her, seized her hand, telling her to give him three things. To tell him whose death shroud she was washing, to give him his ideal wife, 
and to keep the seaweed flowing into the creek near his home. The Benia replied that she was washing the shroud of the leader of the clan Ronald, a friend of his, stating that he would die if he were to cross a certain village by foot ever again. The wetfoot man picked up the shroud with his spear and launched it into the lock, saving himself from the Benia and ran as fast as he could to his friend's home, telling him everything. The clan leader quickly created a boat at first light and then sailed across the lock to avoid his fate and therefore never again returning by foot through the village. I will say that a lot of this story was Gaelic and the translations are rough, but I did what I could with my resources here. Now, in terms of comparisons to real-life monsters, the only real thing that these have ever been mistaken for in terms of this type of monster, not this specific one, are actually barn owls, if you can believe it. These lovely birds sing a beautiful but sad-sounding song and are found throughout the British Isles, very luckily. For mythical comparisons, of course we have already talked about banshees, and they are almost a sister monster to this one from across the Irish Sea, which is really interesting because in terms of history, the Irish and the Scottish from the 1300s were very much in conflict as Robert the Bruce went over in 1315 in the first wars against Ireland as independence for Scotland. But it does make sense that some of their folklores get mixed together as they also shared the same core Gaelic language structure too. And of course, they're close in proximity. We can see influences from Scottish, Irish and Welsh folklore coming into English folklore We can also see because of the Viking influence, we get a lot of their mythology mixed into ours as well. So it is definitely an amazing bonus of being from the British Isles, is that we have so many countries and so many different folklores to pull in for a massive amount of influence in our culture and society. The park is now open for the new season. Adventure Ho! Oh, I'm so excited! New and old characters once again return to Proserpina Park with another mystery on hand. Hi, I'm Jessica. I'm Alina. These are my friends, Drew and June, and you know, Dog. We're so new to the park. We want to know everything. Well, let's see. The obvious things are stay away from the waters. He's an encantado, a were dolphin known along the Amazon River. Stay in your guard. A were-dolphin? Oh, like a werewolf, but dolphins! Stay away from the mountains. Anansi! Oh my god, I, I didn't think we'd actually meet. Child, you are dealing with not just any god, but a trickster. I am not always the hero in the stories. And stay away from the woods. Let's, let's go, oh, let's okay, go, let's okay. go, let's go. Wait, wait for me. Just run. Okay. So even unicorns are mean uh. creatures here? What's up with that? (laughs) Wow, uh, this park is pretty dangerous, isn't it? A new season of Residents of Proserpina Park returns. The residents have been waiting. Come on. You wanted to see how I survive in the park? I'll show you. Now, on to modern media. I have actually merged Banshees with them this week to fill this out, as they are immensely similar monsters as Cries of Death. So a lot of these you'll see a crossover between my Banshees episode. But for art, have a look at The Washwoman of the Night by Jeanne-Edouard d'Agent from 1861. 
The Bunworth Banshee by Thomas Crofton Croker from 1825, or Washerwoman by a Brook by Jean Pilimet for some classic portraits, or I would really recommend Independent Art This Week for some really spooky images of Banshees and Ben Nia. In movies, we have Monster High, Scooby-Doo, Star Wars The Clone Wars, Rebels, Banshee, Darby O'Gill and the Little People, The Nightmare Before Christmas and The Scream of the Banshee. For TV, we have Xena Warrior Princess, Charmed, Supernatural, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Legacies, X-Men, The Ancient Magus' Bride, The Imperfects, Lost Girl, The Quest, So Weird, Teen Wolf, Big Mouth, Gargoyles, The Real Ghostbusters, Roswell Conspiracies, Aliens, Myths and Legends, Extreme Ghostbusters, Cat Scratch, Arthur, DuckTales and Ruby Gloom. In video games, we have ones such as Mass Effect 3, RuneScape, Phasmophobia, Fable, Warframe, God of War, Dragon's Dogma, World of Warcraft, The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, Starcraft 2, Pokemon, The Force Unleashed, Smite, Mortal Kombat, Halo, Quake 4, Shadowgate, Lila's Sky Arc, Metopia, Elvira 3, Jewels of Cerberus, Nexus War, Daily Life with Monster Girl Online, Mystery Case Files, City of Heroes, Nancy Drew, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, Archon, Coffee Talk, Castlevania, Order of Ecclesia, and Blood. Lovely one to end on. My book recommendation this week is Celtic Myths and Legends by Peter Beresford Ellis, which I've suggested a whole load of times before. It's a fantastic book. I really recommend it. Or if you want to go specifically into Scottish, the Anthology of Scottish Folktales by Donald Smith is a fantastic resource for some great Scottish folklore stories. And of course, we look across all of these for Celtic mythology, but have a look if you're interested in this type of folklore. Welcome to Tabletop. My name is Nick, and I think that fudging dice rolls is totally okay. Hey, it's me, Franco, and rolling for initiative sucks. I'm Daniel, and I think you should modify your first level characters as much as you want. And I'm Shade, and if your TTRPG hasn't evolved into a LARP, you've done it wrong. And we all host Tabletop, a TTRPG podcast about all things games and storytelling. And sometimes we have game designers, professional researchers, and even the occasional owlbear. If this interests you, listen to Tabletop every Every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts. Tabletop is a proud member of the Helios Network. But now it's time for Do I Think They Existed? I'm going to say yes. Almost definitely. It makes sense that with their historical context, that these kind of omens were respected and feared. I grew up on Celtic and Gaelic folklore, as well as traditional English folklore, of course. But because of all this, all of these folklore tidbits were really important and hammered into me and my family growing up. And banshees were always one of my favourite myths, as well as one of my most feared. I was always taught to never pick up an abandoned comb or hairbrush and to avoid looking at people in the woods. So this one does really resonate with me as well. Of course, it makes sense that this myth exists in the first place, I'm sure seeing your grandma washing out blood of soldiers' clothes is a bit of a bad omen in itself. 
but with the amount of death and realistically genocide of the Scottish people by the English, it definitely adds a foreboding tone to this monster. Cursed at their death at the hands of their gender, really, and actually by their own offspring, the one thing that women were encouraged to do back then, which makes this monster very human as well as very tragic, and especially looking at it from a female perspective, it's definitely one that resonates with me. The concept of a woman dying in childbirth is so sad and tragic to think of now, but back then immensely common, and having this folklore hang over the top of you would have been horrible, but it does make it a very interesting monster to study nonetheless, taking out all of that trauma from it. But what do you think? Did the Benia haunt the lakes and ponds of the highlands? Let me know on Twitter, I would love to know what you think about this one. Now this monster has been on my to-do list for a really, really long time, so I'm really glad we got to cover it, although I will say I recorded this over and over again because I could not get the pronunciation right. You should have heard my swearing, it was horrendous. But if you heard my Banshee episode, you will know that these types of monsters are one of my favourites. So to follow with this one is wonderful, and I really encourage you to listen to that one if you're interested in this one. Next week, though, we are heading over to Korea for the first time in ages, and we're looking at a mischievous little goblin from Korean folklore. So keep an eye open for pranks from the Dockerby next Thursday. I'm really excited to cover this one. For now, though, thank you so much for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating on the service you are listening on. I've got the Twitter for any questions or suggestions on what monsters to cover next, and I'd really love to hear from you. The social media handles for TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and Threads are Myth Monsters Podcast, and the Twitter is Myth Monsters Pod. All of our content can be found at MythMonsters.co.uk, and you can find us on Good Pods, Buy Me a Coffee, and Patreon if you want to help me fund the podcast too. Also, just a reminder that I am at MCM Comic Con in London on Friday the 27th. If you are about, please make sure if you spot me to say hello, I will be wearing my own merchandise because I'm a loser. But if you do follow the podcast or follow me, please do come and poke me on the shoulder. I would love to say hello. Come join the fun though. Share this with your pals. They might love me as much as you do. But for now, stay spooky. And I'll see you later, babes. <laughs>